work for you. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to be continuing our series this morning. And uh, right before we go into the sermon, I believe we're going to have our scripture reading. Uh, I believe by Callista. Uh, Callista, come on up. Give her a hand as she come up. And uh, what we did was we actually, okay, well, I'll just hand it to you. Here you are. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. This is Genesis 2, verse 18 to 24. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and all the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there is not a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is a is bone of my bones and a flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mo his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, that was absolutely wonderful, and she did a wonderful job. Amen. Getting our kids reading the word. And, uh, and not only that, but I know about Callista. She, is, uh, she has a very, very tender heart toward the things of God, and God is doing a great work in her heart, and, and she just have, a, uh, she have uh, just a love for the Lord, and is growing every, every day. So we just thank God for you. Thank you, sister, for coming up and doing that for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the power of your word. Lord, we thank you that you rule and reign over our lives. And Father, we just give this service over to you as we uh, continue in our series and talking about the family. God, I pray that uh, none of me and all of you and that uh, you would speak light and hope uh, so that, Lord God, that we will be the kind of families and marriages that you have called us to be in a crooked and perverse generation. We thank you. We praise you for what you're about to do this morning. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. We're continuing our series. For those of you who are with us for the first time, we have been talking about the keys to a great marriage. Uh, we first had talked about the four foundational laws of marriage, and, uh, and then uh, right after that, we talked about the uh, needs of the husband in the marriage relationship, uh, and we talked about what those four needs are. Men, do you remember what the four needs are? And nobody's going to volunteer. It was honor, sex, go, brother. Friendship. Friendship. And domestic support. Domestic support. And we also, last week, we talked about the needs of a woman. 
And the four needs of the woman was security. Now, ladies, you can't have a guy step up for you. Security, non-sexual affection, uh, open and honest conversation, because we said and we agreed that women love to talk, and, uh, and they want good male leadership in the home. And so uh, if you did not uh, get those, then you can also you can visit our website, and those sermons are online for you, for your listening pleasure, and to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And today we're going to be talking about... Uh, raising great children of faith as you build a great marriage. Now, the key is raising great children of faith as you build your marriage. Because all of us are a product of God's grace, right? And all of us can point back to things in our lives that happened along the way that we kind of had to struggle with. I can tell you, as a young man going to college, I came from a broken home. And there was a lot of things that I had to beat back. And what I mean by that is a lot of the examples that were put before me as a young child were not good. Now, I am here today because of God's grace. God saved me. God gave me a sense of purpose and he gave me a sense of direction. And I have a good marriage. My kids are, are good kids. They're not perfect, but they're growing up in the things of God. But I can tell you there were many days, many nights, and even today, that there are things that have happened in my past that I'm dealing with today in my marriage that I have to kind of beat back. How do you know what I'm talking about? Because understand something. The key to a great, to raising great kids is having a great marriage. Now, there are some people that believe that it's all about the kids, that everything is all about the kids. And we're going to show you this morning that it's not just all about the kids. The kids cannot and should not ever come before your marriage. Never ever. And so as I was studying last night, I came across some statistics about marriage. About, about, I'm sorry, about children and divorce. Now, how many know that you can be living in the same house with a person uh, and you can be divorced from them? I know people like that. They're living in the same house but physically, emotionally, spiritually, they're divorced from each other. How many know that can have the same kind of negative effect as if they went and they did the, the divorce legally and they separated? And so, but I want you to hear something because there is a spirit in this, and, I, and I've seen it in our society today, where people are just, they, you know, they don't really think about the consequences of how their behavior is going to affect our children. But I want to give you some statistics that I came across as I was studying and preparing for this message. Of all children born to married parents this year, 50% will experience the divorce of their parents before they reach their 18th birthday. Studies in the early 1980s show that children in repeat divorces earn lower grades and their peers rated them as less pleasant to be around. Children of divorce are at a greater risk to experience injury, asthma, headaches, and speech defects than children who are parents whose parents have remained married. Following divorce, children are 50% more likely to develop health problems than two-parent families. Children living with 
both biological parents are 20 to 35% more physically healthy than children from broken homes. Most victims of child molestation come from single-parent households or are the children of drug ring, uh, drug ring members. A study of children six years after, six years after parental marriage breakup revealed that even after all that time, these children tended to be lonely, unhappy, anxious, and insecure. 70% of long-term prison inmates grew up in broken homes. Children of divorce are four times more likely to report problems with peers and friends than those children whose parents have kept their marriages intact. Children of divorce, particularly boys, tend to be more aggressive toward others than those children whose parents did not divorce. And people who come, out, who come from broken homes are almost twice as likely to attempt suicide than those who do not come from broken, from broken homes. And I know this to be a fact because of a line of work I do outside of being a pastor. Children of divorce parents are roughly two times more likely to drop out of high school than their peers who benefit from living with parents who did not divorce. Now, there's, there's, there's a theme there. And the theme there is that the broken homes and divorce situations has a very negative effect on the children. And I know sometimes we tend to think that kids can make it and they're okay, but let me tell you that the chances are much better that their lives are going to be healthy, they're going to be full and complete when you have both husband and wife in the home loving each other, caring for the, each other the way God had intended it to be. And so as we talk about this this morning, I want you to think about, and I really want you to focus on your marriage and your relationship and what kind of message are you sending your children? Because how many know that children are like sponges? They, they are watching when you don't think that they are watching. And what we do in the home, ultimately, they will, eat, they will pattern their life. How many of you have done something before? You said that, that you didn't like about your home situation. You said, I will never, ever do that. I will never, ever be like that. But yet you find yourself doing it. There are generational. How many know there are generational consequences to how we raise our kids? And as the people of God, we should be the light of the world, showing people what a good, healthy family looks like. But we can't be light if we ourselves are walking in darkness. Because the blind leads the blind and they both fall in the where? The ditch. So then, then the emphasis then got to be, we've been talking about this, and, but the emphasis has to be on making sure that my marriage is healthy. Because if your marriage is healthy, guess who get the residual effect of it? Guess who it splashes down on? Splashes down on those kids. And so remember we talked about in our previous lessons, we talked about the issue of priority. 
God has established a certain priority in the earth, in, in certain situations. In particular, we're talking about marriage. That anytime we do anything outside of God's established order, there's always chaos. There's always going to be problems. Always. You know, for example, somebody said, well, I want to be, a, you know, I want to be healthy and I want God to heal me. You know, God can heal you, but you know, in reality, that a lot of times we are unhealthy because of how we treat our bodies. Oh, Lord God, I pray that as I eat this big chocolate chunky cake at two o'clock in the morning, that Lord, that you would remove the calories in Jesus name. How many know don't work that way? It doesn't work that way. But yet people do stuff like that because they just get crazy. And, and, and because God, listen, we have to we have to we have to get back to the place of what God says how we should live our lives. And the more that we are in tune with what God says in his word, Amen. then the more productive our life is going to be. The more you exercise, the more you move around. How many know the more healthy you're going to be because God designed you to be moving? Come on, come on, somebody help me. He, he designed us, and so we want to make sure, as, as, as people of God, as we're growing in our faith, that we're understanding what is God's order? What does God say about my marriage, about raising my kids? Because we're really here talking about a great marriage. I know some of you came in, you're thinking, okay, he's going he's to give us 10 steps on how to get your kids right. I'm going to give you steps on how to get you right. Because if you get right, the kids will get right. One of the things I used to hate as a, as, as a kid is my father used to, he used to tell me stuff. He used to say, son, I want you to do this and do that. But you know what? He never did it. And, 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 and it used to bug me because he would always tell me this stuff to do. But he wouldn't raise one finger and he, because I was watching what my daddy did. And I said, well, daddy, what you're saying and what you're doing, is not, that's not connecting with me because I see a difference there. You see, I, I see a difference there. So, so we need to come to this place and understanding how important it is that we make sure that we're caring for our marriage. So I've got three principles here that I want to share with you this morning. Now, I want you to take notes because I will give, a, give you a test. I'm going to send it to you in the mail and I'm going to respect. No, I'm just kidding. But I want you to pay attention and I want you to be listening. Because as I said before, I firmly believe that the information that I'm sharing with you this morning, that if you make application of what you're hearing, your marriage, your, you won't have to, your children will be great children. Now, listen, are there, there are exceptions to everything. You know, somebody would say, well, Pastor, I know of a, a couple down the road uh, that, that did everything right and their kids still went crazy. That does happen sometimes. But in reality, from a general standpoint, a general standpoint, the more godly our marriages are and our homes are, the better our children are going to be. You saw a couple of examples of that this morning. You saw the little kid there on the, on the video. I'm sorry. You saw the kid there on the video? You guys got to give me a second here. Though. Okay. Uh, you saw the kid on the video, how he was quoting all the Bible? Quoting the, the different themes of the word of God. You saw little Callista. She came up this morning and she read the word of God. I mean, no, that's, that's the kind of thing. That's what we want to raise up. Children of faith. So we're going to talk about three principles that will help you to raise great children of faith. And the first principle is this. 
marriage precedes children in priority. I want to say that again. Marriage precedes children in priority. Genesis chapter 2, 24 says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, what God was doing there, he was establishing an order in the marriage relationship. How many know that one of the names of God is jealous? Did you know that? You know that God is jealous? There is a legitimate kind of jealousy. We're not talking about the kind of jealousy where, you know, that's unhealthy. Well, you know, if, if, you know that if, my, if my wife talked to anybody, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm mad. I'm going I'm to follow her and I'm going to track her down. We're not talking about that kind of jealousy. But, but there is a legitimate jealousy. Understand this, that your relationship with God, when, when we put anything ahead of God, how many know God gets jealous? Exodus 34, 14, I think she has that. It says that one of God's names is jealous. Now, you remember that we talked about how that the marriage relationship is a picture of Christ and the church. So as the relationship between us and Christ functions, so it should be in our marriage. Now, understand in our relationship with God, if we, if, if, if we put anything ahead of God, it will short-circuit our blessing. Whatever you want God to bless, don't put it before him. Because he's jealous. Anything that we put before God, any person that we put before God, God will not bless it. He will not bless it. Because God will not be second to anything or anybody in your life. Now, understand that. Now, when he created the marriage, now have me know that marriage is an institution that was created by God. I don't care how Hollywood is trying to steal it. I don't care what they say. You know, marriage is a sacred, holy institution that was created by God himself. And, and so, in that relationship that we have with God, God gets jealous. I remember that uh, when Peggy first had, we have four children, and when she first had my oldest son, who's back there, Christian, uh, I remember that um, I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, I realized when she first had him, you know, that she was with him quite a bit. You know, when moms first have babies, some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're, you're, all of your time pretty much is just devoted. I mean, you're just devoted to that baby. I mean, you, you know, and I remember and I was thinking at first, I'm, I'm like, it's cool. You know, she got to, you know, she got to take care of the baby because before the kids came, we could do what we want to do, go where we want to go. And whenever I want to talk to my wife, she was there. She was alert. She was ready. She was ready to talk. And, and, and now all of a sudden I find it's like every time. So one month went and it was the same thing. I mean, she's always tired. She's come home. She's always sleep. She's with me. I'm like, OK, cool. I understand that, you know. Yeah. And so then that one month into two months and then it became three months, four months. And, uh, and I'm like, um, mm, you know, can, you know, I start feeling a little bit of jealousy. Not because I didn't love my, my son, but, but because I, I, I wanted my wife, you see. And, 
And so it is that, and, and there's a legitimate, a legitimate jealousy that God puts in all of us in order to protect the marriage relationship. And, and so I had to communicate with my wife. I understand that, but we got to make sure that we don't forget us. And that, and that we had to learn having four kids, and I'm and, and tell you something, we were forced to do this, that, you know, that, that they cannot come before our marriage. My, my wife and I have been married for 20 years, and we have a good marriage, and i tell you why we have a great marriage, is because we've always made sure to put each other first. Because when you put anything else, including the kids, before the marriage, you're going to have problems. You see, the best thing that you and I can do if we want to have great kids, is to have a great marriage. I was, uh, I like to fly a lot. I don't, I, I shouldn't say I like to fly. I just fly a lot. I still have issues with flying sometimes. And, and, you know, when you're on the plane and right before you get ready to take off, they, they, you know, the stewardess, the captain, whoever, they'll come up there and they will start doing these emergency, you know, talk and they'll tell you about if the plane land on water and they, tell, they start talking about if the, if the cabin pressure uh, depressurize and that this little yellow thing would just fall off the ceiling and you're supposed to put oxygen on. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, so if, the, if the cabin uh, depressurize. And... Um, and I remember the first time I heard this, and it didn't rub me right, but they said the first thing that you want to do is, is uh, parents, you know, you want to make sure to get the oxygen mask and put it on your first, yourself first. And then after you put the mask on yourself, then put the mask on the child. And I remember thinking, well, that's, that's, you know, just, just thinking real quick. That, man, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you go naturally, I want to take care of my baby first. But FAA recognized that a dead parent can be of no help to that child. You can't, you can't, you know, so the parent needs to be healthy because if the parent is right, the parent is getting oxygen the way that they need to get oxygen, then they, now they're in a position to help their children. So many marriages and families are, 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 are messed up to the point that they're not, they, they cannot help their kids because you can't give your children what you don't have. You see, if you're not healthy, you can't give them health. You cannot, you cannot give your child what, what you don't have. And so then we, we're going back to this thing of, of making sure that we are prioritizing our marriage and we're creating an environment where there's health, where there's unity, where there's prosperity in our marriage relationship because then and only then are we going to really be in a, in a good position to help our children. If I was to ask anyone in here, do you want to have great kids? Everybody would say affirmative, yes then do me a favor, work on your marriage. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I don't have time. I don't have a date now. I don't have, a, I don't, I don't have that. I don't have a babysitter. You better get you a babysitter, and you better make sure that you make time for your marriage because if you really love your child, you will prioritize your marriage first. That's the best thing that you can do for your child. Now, Being a great parent means that your relationship with God and your marriage is prospering. A good marriage is the foundation by which a good family is built upon. Many of us are struggling in our relationships because, and our children are struggling, because our marriage is not what it should be. I know there are a lot of people that 
we have many, many different activities and places that we put our kids in. We got our kids in soccer. You know, we got our kids in ice skating. And we got our kids in all these different things. And it's really, really neat to do that. And some folks make the mistake of thinking that if I just give my child stuff, then they will be okay. See? If I give them stuff. So I'll put them in an activity. I'll put them in a game. And I'll keep doing all these things. But the problem is that how many know that child has to come home at some point? And that child is still going to be subjected to that environment. And so what we need to make sure that we're doing is we're giving, we're giving attention to what is really important first. So we talk about the issue of priority and your marriage must come first. And some, some folks will have an issue with that. I know some people, I mean, because we love our, I mean, you know, we all love our kids. I love my kids to death. But they understand if you were to ask any one of them, they will tell you who comes first. And I don't apologize for it. You remember I told you last week that every time I kiss, and every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll hug my wife. I see all my kids like, that like sitting there, and they're all in the same room. And I said, baby, let's, let's do it now. And I'll grab Peggy, and uh, right in front of the kids, I'll give her the biggest wet kiss that I could give her. And they all say, oh. But right behind the oh is a big old smile. It's a big old smile because, and my son is laughing. He knows because, now my son, he's, he's 18. He literally walks out of the room. He said, that's just gross. <laughs> but in reality, it, it's not gross. He, he knows that that is, a, he feels good. They feel good when they see that. They love it when they see mom and dad in unity together and loving each other together. We talk about security. I can remember as coming up as a, uh, as a little child, my dad had, uh, was somewhat abusive to my mother. This is not something I talk about often. But I can remember that there was one particular uh, episode uh, whereby my dad had punched my mother in the stomach. And... Uh, and I can re- remember the resentment that I had toward him for doing that. I could not believe that he hit my mother. And, uh, and I, was, I had a lot of resentment, and it took me some years to kind of get over that. And uh, my parents ended up separating. And I can remember that when we were scattered, because we all had to, my mom had to get her own place, and so we ended up on welfare. We was all scattered from place to place. We was all over the place. And I remember... Uh, I can remember just, um, uh, you know, feeling like I was, I was empty inside. I felt like I had no covering. I felt vulnerable. I felt like, uh, you know, even though, and, and, and listen to this, even though, even though my dad was wrong in what he did, I still felt it when he was not there. And there was something in me that still, every time I saw him, there was something in me that still longed for him and my mother to get it back together. And I think about all the kids today that are going through divorce and people are in and out of relationships like crazy. 
And somehow they think that this is not having an effect on those children. I can tell you it had a profound effect. And if I were to listen to every one of your stories, you could tell me stories of things that happened in your life that has affected uh, your relationship even with your own children. And so our kids, we need to give them an environment where they really feel secure. And the way that they're going to feel secure is when they see mom and dad healthy and happy and living together. And you are prioritizing that marriage first. When you do that, it's going to help you. The second thing that we can do in order to raise great kids while we build a great marriage is our parents, mother, father, husband, wife, we need to be in unity together. Look at Genesis, if you will, chapter number 11, verses 1 through 6. Genesis, chapter number 11, verses 1 through 6. And this is a powerful, every time I read this, it's amazing. Because you really kind of see the picture and you see how the devil works so much to divide us. Genesis chapter number 11, verse number 1 through 6. Watch this. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see that the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. (laughs) And they have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Do you see the concept that even in their rebellion, God said this, because God had wanted them to populate the entire earth. He wanted them to build uh, horizontally, to spread throughout the entire earth, but they decided that we're going to build a tower up to heaven. And God said, now talk about unity, how powerful unity is. God said, He says, listen, if I don't go down there and stop them and confuse their language, nothing will be impossible for them. Nothing will be. They will be able to accomplish what they set out to do because they got a hold of the the revelation of this thing called unity. Jesus said that a house divided will not stand. And that's why the enemy is always fighting to divide us. He fight to divide us in our relationship because he know if he can ever get you divided, you, you, you won't have a chance. So he fights you at home in your marriage relationship. He divides the parents. He divides the kids. He divides. He breaks up the family. He breaks up churches. He's, he's, you know, he constantly he is trying to bring division and understand that one of the things that give the devil great pleasure is to see you and your spouse divided. And kids are masters. Kids are masters at dividing parents. It's amazing. I, my kids sometimes, you know, they'll come and ask me something. You know, how, you know how kids are. You got multiple kids and 
they'll ask you one thing and, and then they'll catch you at a time where you're like really, really preoccupied with stuff. And then uh, somehow they go back and they tell my wife something. They ask me a question. I may mumble something. I'm not even really thinking. And next thing I know, I hear, Daddy said I can go. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't remember saying any. What are you talking about? I never said that. And, and, and that's something that happens on our house on a regular basis. You can call it a Christian deception, <laughs> if it's such a thing. But they are masters. Your children are masters at dividing. I mean, and, and, and one of the things that, listen, one of the things that we do, we make sure of is that me and Peggy, we, make a, we made a pact that, you know what, no matter what, we, we're going to be hand in hand together. Amen. We're going to be in unity. We're never going to display before them a divided front. Because, number one, it's not profitable for them. And you know the enemy loves to come in and divide, and he works where there's confusion and division. How do you know what I'm talking about? And so, so we got to understand that. And so there are four ways of promoting unity as a couple. So you need to be unified as a couple. Watch this. Number one, always present, always present a united front. Okay, I'll give you an example. It's always, here's how me and Peggy do it. Uh, your mother and I have decided. We, see, here's, here's some, some mistakes sometimes that parents will make. They will say, well, well, I really wanted you to go, but your daddy, you know, your, your, your daddy, he's the one that just said no, so you need to go back and talk to your daddy. Now, we, 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 our kids, they, already, they know that don't work with us. And so when we present before our kids, watch this, we want to always present before them a united front. Why? Because, because see, this, this, is, this is my wife. Remember, we are one. Amen. So we need to stay in unity for their benefit and for the benefit of the marriage. And so we always present a united front. Number two, second way, second thing is, if you're going to disagree with your, with your spouse, Disagree in private. Well, me and my wife have to have conversation about things that happen in the house. The way we do it is, especially if it's something that's really hot. I'm not talking about if you go to McDonald's and there's a disagreement about what we're going to eat on the menu. I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking about more heavier issues, weightier issues. But, but when, when Peggy and I are in somewhat odd about a particular issue, our kids never really know it. They don't know what's going on. Because we go behind clothes. That's why God gave us the biggest room in the house and the quietest room in the house. You ever notice that when we build houses? You, if you, you always have the biggest room and the one that's off by itself. That's for a reason. So you can go and you can talk about those things. And so what me and my wife do is we make, we make it a, a common thing. If there's something that, that, that we don't agree about, uh, we talk to each other about it. But before we leave that room, we have decided here's how we're going to handle this. And it's not, and it's never, she would never come out and say, well, I, I, I really wanted this to happen, uh, 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 kids, but, but your daddy, you know, he, he ain't talking, he, he ain't listening, so you need to go talk to him. No, she don't do that. She says, no, no, this is, this is what your daddy and I have decided. And see, now we, we shut the door. Now they can't run over there and try to play that little game. Well, mommy said and daddy said, no, 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 no. Why? Because we're unified. We're unified. The third thing in promoting unity as a couple is, Always honor each other in front of the children. You know, the greatest need for a man is honor and respect. We talked about that. The greatest need for a woman is sacrificial love and security. Now, listen. So, so understand, 
that there are times sometimes when my, my, my kids are never, ever allowed to disrespect their mother. Never. And my wife does the same thing for me. Never. My wife, listen, if, if they says, if, my kids would tell you, if they even, you know, one of the things, this is one of my little pet peeves. One of my little pet peeves is this. Um, Jeremiah. What? Like, what's wood? What's that? And I, and I hear a lot of time, I hear Peggy call, and I'll just, and I'll just come up. i say, what's that? And, and then and every now and then I hear a little sarcasm in the voice. And I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't disrespect your mother. You don't talk to your mother that way. And my wife would do the same to me. She would say, did you not hear your daddy? And she would get up. Did you not hear your daddy? Then you need to respect, you need to do what your daddy says. You see? Now, our kids, the benefit of that, when they see us function in unity that way, remember, it brings to them security. It brings to them stability. Because kids love, watch, I know sometimes we don't, we, we don't think that this is the case, but let me tell you something. Kids love to be in an environment where there's discipline and where there is order. They love it. They may, act out of, they may act the fool every now and then, but you know what? They really wouldn't trade that environment for anything. They want to be in an environment where there's love, where there's accept, uh, acceptance, and where there is discipline, and where there is order. And, and so don't ever allow your children, because here's what they understand. If you disrespect this woman, then you're disrespecting me, because we're, we're one and the same. You see, we're one. We function as one, because we want to present a unified front. Um, the fourth thing, fourth way to promote unity as a couple is that both parents must love the children and discipline the children. Both parents has to be involved in that. Um, I, you know, Peggy, you know, children generally challenge their mother a little bit more. Anybody have kids know that. Kids, you know, you know because mostly you know, women are a little bit more nurturing and they're a little bit more, um, they're just more approachable than men. How's that? Uh, and, and generally, they'll try, they'll, try, they'll, they'll try their mother a lot quicker than they'll try their father. Now, in some cases, you know, guy got some relatives, you know, the mom was like, you know, you don't, no, you don't mess with the mom, you get in some serious trouble. But, but, but in a lot of cases, and, and I, believe in the, I believe in the majority of cases, that, that, that children generally like to challenge the wife. They generally like to do that. And so one of the things that, that we have to be cognizant of, is, and I tell Peggy this all the time. The, the Peggy will say, and, and she had, and she made a habit of saying this, and I would always correct her in the, in the past. And she would say, "Well, well, honey, you 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 just deal with that." You know, anytime it came time to a discipline issue, Peggy was very uncomfortable doing that. She didn't. Want, she would always defer that to me. But the problem was, they took advantage of that. And so one of the things that that we came to grips with is that we both remember. We're in this together. So we both love and we both discipline. And we support each other in the discipline of our children. Now, you all have to work that out because there, I mean, there are some, like, for example, I know some people say, well, I don't believe in spanking. And then there's some say, well, I believe spanking is okay. And I, I know of couples that kind of struggle with that. Um, I believe what the word of God says about spanking. 
but I should be that it should be the last resort. It should not, you know, there's a difference between spanking and abuse. You know what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a big difference there. But both have to love and discipline. Both have to be involved in that process. And I can tell you that, that, that as the kids get older, you know, it's a little bit harder for my wife to look up at my son and say, son, go clean your room. You know, because, you know, they get, they get bigger. And, and then they get bigger, you know, they get teenagers, they start being a little bit more independent. They start thinking that they can kind of make their own decisions. And then dad just kind of come around and I look and I'm, I'm, on, I'm on it. I'm like, uh, son, did you hear? And I step up because I want to make sure that there, that there is there's order in the house and both parents need to be involved in the discipline. No, listen, particular father, don't just sit back and let your kid go off the chain and don't do anything. Don't sit there and let your child disrespect their mother. Don't ever do that. Step up because you're the leader. But both need to be involved in that process. Because when both are involved in that process, it sends the right message to our children. All right, last. The third point I want to make in raising great children as you build a great marriage is, listen to this. Your marriage creates the level of health and success your kids can attain to. I'm going to say that again. Your marriage creates the level of health and success your kids can attain to. You as a parent, as a couple, you should be able to say this, that when my kids grow up and get married, I want their marriage to be like us. Now, if you're saying I can't say that right now, then something is wrong in the marriage and we need to fix it. Because how many know that we can say what we want to say, but ultimately they are going to mimic what we do. What we do in moderation, our children would do in access. Remember that. And so we, need, so we need to understand that whatever, listen, if you're struggling with anger, if you, if you disrespect your husband, if you, for example, if you yell and you scream at your husband and you degrade him in the presence of your children, what message are you sending to that child? When they get married, do you think that the chances of them doing the same thing to their husband will be the same? If a man is abusive and beating his wife, what are the chances of his son growing up, getting married, and doing the same thing to his wife. You follow me? Because that's what they saw. That was the example that was put before them. And so, so here's what we're talking about. We got to make sure that we are presenting to them a picture of a healthy marriage. Remember, now you can't have a healthy marriage unless you, now you need to go back and get, get all the stuff that we talked about previously. We talked about the needs of a man and the needs of a woman, and you can understand all the things that we're talking about here. But, but understand this, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are modeling before them what a good marriage looks like. So men, every time you respect your wife, you, you open the door, you're gentle to her, you speak with her in a kind way, then guess, guess who's watching? I mean, no, those kids are watching that. And you know what? And when your marriage is all jacked up, you know one thing I love about kids? They will tell on you when they get old enough. 
Because you can tell them, you can say, well, don't say that. Let me tell you something. They will come back and they will let you know because they are always paying attention to what's happening in the home. I can remember, for an example, when I was a FTI, when I was in um, FTI, let me explain to you what that means, a field training instructor. When I was patrolling in a police car, um, I had this, uh, this officer, we call him an FTI, field training instructor. He taught me for 10 weeks. 10 weeks he taught me. And uh, I was with him. Now, the first thing he says to me, he says, he says, you need to understand that I get really, really mad. I have a bad temper. He said, but, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm a rookie, right? I'm like, I'm just getting out of the academy. And I'm, I'm kind of listening to this, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, why is this guy kind of telling me this? Boy, I had no idea. I mean, he would literally get upset. I mean, if the traffic light was red too long, he would start banging the dashboard. I remember one time that I was sitting in the car, and that we was doing what we call a school cross. You know how the police officer had to make sure the kids are crossing the streets? And, and I remember, and I remember sitting in the car, and he went in the back of the trunk, and he just went to retrieve, I think, his, his, uh, his cone or, or something that he needed to use. He needed some cones. And he, I guess he couldn't get to it the way he wanted to, so he started moving stuff around. I'm sitting in the car, and then all of a sudden, the rambling just got louder, boom, 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 boom. And I'm sitting in the car, and louder, boom, 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 boom. And next thing I know, I look back, and he has his fish. And he's punching the cone, kaboom, 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 kaboom. And the car is rocking. I'm sitting in there like, what in the world? What kind of guy is this? I mean, he was just angry. And then he came, he got in the car, and he slammed the door shut, and he was red. And he says, now, here's how you fill out a property card. I'm like, whoa, Okay. And I remember, now watch this. Now, I was with him for 10 weeks. Now, remember, our kids are with us for 18 years. And, uh, and for some of us, <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> I'll put mine on notice. <laughs> you better get moving. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't on the 30-year plan here, brother. We need to come up with something. But as soon as, watch this now. I got, when I got released after 10 weeks, this is the way they used to do it. I think it's more weeks now, but I got, I got released after 10 weeks. And you know what happened? I found myself driving a car, and I found myself getting mad and hitting the dashboard because the traffic light didn't turn green quick enough. And I found myself, when I, when I dropped little things and I couldn't get it right away, I, would get, I found myself getting angry. And then it just dawned on me, I'm like, what are you doing? Now, I was a new believer. I was doing the exact same thing that my field training instructor was doing. And the reason I was doing it was because I was with them for 10 weeks, just 10 weeks. Our children are with us far longer. And don't think that you can separate all the little things that you do for your children and have a bad marriage and think it will not have an effect on your children. Don't think. Don't make the mistake. In, in scripture, the scripture said in, in Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25, it says, make no friendship with an angry man. And I used to quote this one all the time when I was dealing with my FTI. And a furious man, do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. See, in other words, you're around him. You know, and the Bible also says iron shop and iron. Now, that's the positive side of it. So, 
So, you know, if you've got a good relationship and everything is working right, and, you know, then you know, you're going to sharpen each other. But, 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 but the point being is that we influence our kids by how we behave in the relationship. Do not think that, 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 that I can just, you know, I'm not going to give any time to my relationship. This, this woman or this man that's got some issues, I'm just going to take care of my kids. If you really love your kids, you wouldn't think that way. If you really love your kids, you would say, no, no, I can't do that. I'm going to get my relationship right. If, listen, if, if I need more time, call me. I'm giving you permission. If you're having problems in your marriage, and y'all can, call me at home. Say, Pastor, can I drop my kids off at your house? Me and my wife need to talk and get this right. I'm extending my services to you. And I will give you a good bargain, free. And you don't hear that too often in this society, free. Because you got to do what is right in order to make sure that your marriage is healthy. Because if your marriage is not healthy, then chances are your kids are not going to be healthy. And we need to come to grips with that and begin to pattern. That's why we talk about other things like having date nights and giving attention to all these little things that we think that, that, that sometimes we look at and say, well, I can I'll go and spend some time with my husband or maybe not. I mean, I don't really know. Let me tell you, make sure that you're giving a lot of time to invest in your marriage. If you love those pretty faces that you got, and I look in, we got a lot of kids come through here, and they're all beautiful, but we want them to grow up and have great relationships. I don't want my children growing up. You see, my daughter, who's in the nursery over there, if I treat my wife the way that she's supposed to be treated, I don't have to worry about her marrying some knucklehead. How many women that you know of that married a man that was abusive? I got, a, I got a relative right now, and she would always tell me, and she said, I, will ne- I don't want to marry a, a, an abusive person. Her dad was abusive, beat her, abused her, and the relationship that she got involved in was the same type of person that she saw in her father. And I'm like, wow. But I've seen it with all, and this is in my family. My aunt, I'll just tell you, my aunts, I got 14 of them on my mother's side. They're probably not going to listen to this message. But they, they will tell you. And, and, and all of them, with the exception of maybe one or two, married abusive husbands. Or, and most of them are not even married today. They're divorced. And if you go back and look at it, you know, they were in an environment that wasn't good. So if I focus on, for example, I show my daughter how a man is supposed to treat a woman by how I treat my wife. So if I hook her up right, my kids are right, my daughter, I don't have to worry about my daughter going to marry. And my daughter sometime now, she'll look and she'll say something about some people. She's like, that, that's, a, uh, she, that's a thug. Because she know dad don't walk around with his pants hanging down. Dad don't walk around with no shoelaces. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. And, and the same thing, I ain't trying to start nothing. I'm just saying. And the same thing, the same thing for my wife. My wife mimics what kind of woman that she want our kids to be. And yes, they was opposed sometimes because they're dealing with the cultural stuff. But you know what? You just stay the course. You keep doing what you're supposed to do as a parent. And sooner or later, the light bulb will come on. And sometimes for some of my kids, it takes a while. Because they're going to remember the environment that they grew up in. And they're going to become whatever we are there in our home. And I hope and pray. I hope and pray that you give attention to making sure that your marriage is healthy. Because if you do that then you don't have to worry about your kids. The chances of a kid growing up and succeeding in life and having good relationship, not going through nine and ten divorces like some folks we read about. 
the chances of that would greatly diminish because you gave them a good example. Amen. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.